Welcome into AZ Sports powered by BetMGM. I'm Austin Stanley. He is Zach Bingham. Make sure you follow us all over social media on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Am I forgetting anything? Twitch. We go live every weekday morning at 8 Central Time. Uh, Got to thank our sponsors because they have made uh, a, a great year for us here at A to Z Sports and hopefully helped you guys out quite a bit. Uh, Renters Warehouse Nashville, the professional landlords in the area at renterswarehouse.com. Mandu, the Pulse of Fitness, one 15-minute workout equals five-plus hours in the weight room. Mandu.com, your first workout is free. Wilson County Hyundai, make them a part of your car buying process by going to see them in Lebanon or at wilsoncountyhyundai.com. And the Bone & Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. So, Zach, I was at the game uh, yesterday. It was a long day. It was a long game, but it was a fantastic game. Uh, and Tennessee loses 48-45 uh, because of the controversial call on the Jalen Wright, what could have been fourth down touchdown, but called short for forward progress. Hendon Hooker uh, had five touchdown passes. He finishes the year with 31 touchdown passes on 11 starts uh, this year for Tennessee. And so uh, really interesting uh, to see how the reaction of that game uh, you and I were not watching the game together. We watch a lot of games together through the football season. But what was your reaction overall to that game in its entirety? And then I'll, then we'll play this sideline video I got of the game losing play for Tennessee. But how did you feel about the game overall? Well, I thought two two things. Well, I guess three things, including the last play uh, when we're, that we'll discuss with the balls mm-hmm. at the goal line. But the poor tackling was atrocious i mean that's the reason why look i had the over in one of my parlays i just need wake forest i mean i could win like 300 bucks if wake forest wins tonight uh by two touchdowns but i had the over everybody i think kind of thought that the over was going to hit but i didn't think that it was going to be that bad at tackling and it's on both sides not necessarily just purdue or just tennessee that play where the big tight end rumbled for like 62 yards that was embarrassing embarrassing they didn't want to wrap up. And then the other thing, I thought Tennessee could have won in regulation. But, and I, this is where I do think we should be critical of Josh Heupel and what Hinden Hooker, even before the half, it, there's three minutes and 24, uh, 23 seconds left to go or around there in the second quarter. Instead, Hinden Hooker tries to throw deep again. Yep. They punt, and all of a sudden, they, this, they're up eight. They go into half down one. That is what has to be corrected. They're that up, is the yeah. big thing for for Josh Heupel and Hendon Hooker is reeling in your quarterback and saying, on third and three, we can run some clock and try to get more points before the half instead of disaster happening. And the same thing happened at the end of the game. They had ju- about a minute left, and they pissed that opportunity away. I mean, they were in striking distance. They were right around midfield. They were trying to get instead of the fifty-seven yard field goal attempt. Yeah. They should have. They should have had a chip shot thirty yarder. So oh. that was coaching that I was critical of. That we haven't even gotten to the play that we're going to discuss. But I thought Tennessee had plenty of opportunities to either take a stranglehold on the game or win the game in regulation. I was watching that with Vince Ferrar on the sideline with from the Vol Network, and it was we were talking about like. It was you know forty-five yard line with seventeen seconds left. You ran three plays and you gained three yards because you took two shots at the end zone. Now, how many timeouts did you have? Uh, many. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. had three. Yes, you had all of them. So it's crazy because all you needed was ten more yards because that fifty-six yard field goal. I was on the goalpost, wasn't that far away from hitting that thing. So I agree with you. It was a weird way to end it. At I, I guess Josh Heupel knew the spread was five and a half, and so maybe he was going after that. I don't know, but it they should have won that game in regulation. Uh, by making a closer field goal for that, but they didn't. Um, And so, all right, let's get into this play because so many people feel a a certain type of emotion about this play. I've got it from the sideline angle, fourth in goal on the goal line in overtime, going for it instead of a chip shot field goal that could have just extended the game. But here is the play in its entirety uh, and then we'll go and play it a few times back to back to back so we can all get uh, how we feel about this play. But here's Jalen Wright on fourth and goal. Jalen Wright the play in 
So there you go. You heard the PA announcer who's a different conversation because he's terrible. Uh, but you also heard the referee forward progress stopped first down Purdue. Uh, and so Zach in live time, what did you think? Well, I'll, I'll kind of answer the question if I, if I tell you what I think, but um, I thought that he obviously got across the goal line. I mean, that that is plain to see. And I thought that even without the replay of confirming that he didn't have his knees on the ground or his shin hit the ground, because that's what they were talking about. And again, you were live on the field, so you mm-hmm. didn't get the commentary. And how many ever... It's like Jordan Rogers would have rather have been downtown on Broadway drinking with bachelorette parties. That's how many times he referenced like booze and party atmosphere uh, analogies. It was brutal on Jordan Rogers' part. But one thing that the the main announcer brought up is, look, forward progress was called, and then they started to diagnose the whistle. It's not about the whistle, apparently, and this is a rule that I did learn. It's when the signal is made. And so that, what I think they're justifying is that the signal was made prior to that extra oomph, that extra reach to get across the goal line. Legally, he got across the goal line and it should have been a touchdown if forward progress wasn't called. But that's, and and the other thing, Austin, if you, you were live there, they didn't say the call stands. They said confirmed. Well, because technically you, again, the rules are confusing. And I feel like people who have been watching football for decades are even more confused because, and so Mark says, so you don't play to the whistle. Interesting. That's that's what what was explained on the broadcast. And that it doesn't make sense because if the whistle doesn't signal the end of the play that the referees decide when the end of the play happens, but a whistle is just a tool to use to, so how does somebody, how does an offensive lineman or defensive lineman get a personal foul penalty after the play when the whistle isn't the determining factor of the end of the play, right? So now you're saying this thing about this rule that completely contradicts how some rules are being used and how the, the play is happening and athletes are getting 15-yard penalties that crush their teams because that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. So let's play the video again. I've got a version of it that shows the quick actual play three times in a row. And we're going to ask you guys this specific question. Fair or foul to call forward progress on the Vols' last play in overtime? Here it is three times in a row. Sorry, I hit the wrong video on that one, but we'll play that here in a second. So that's my bet on that. That was the full full one. We'll get it three times in a row here in a second. But first, real quick, let me tell you guys about our friends at Renters Warehouse. Renters Warehouse, Nashville, the professional landlords in the area. Simply go to renterswarehouse.com to find out how much your home can rent for. So many different ways you can use Renters Warehouse to your benefit, whether it's creating extra cash flow for you and your family or helping you get long-term equity, which helps your long-term wealth and retirement plan ready. Renterswarehouse.com is where to go. AZ Sports, we're powered by BetMGM. They're our title sponsor here on the show. We absolutely love doing business with them, and they love doing business with you where, where they could pay you out on parlays. If you had the over last night, they would pay you out handsomely if you bet a large wager, or if it was just a $10 bet, they'd pay out that. Code ATOZ Sports. Use that promo code. They are the king of sportsbook. Risk-free bet up to $1,000 for new users. That's the promo going there, but you got to use that promo code a-T-O-Z sports. All right, so here it is one more time, three times in a row on the play, and fair or foul to call forward progress uh, at, for the Vols' final play in overtime last night. <laughs> So 
fair foul, Zach. I'm curious to see what the comments are saying. So I'm going to send you there. What do the people think? Fair foul. Well, a lot of foul, right? We've got uh, Stefan Dobbs saying foul, blown call, plain and simple. Derek says foul. Uh, Anthony says ref had a date, needed the game to be over. It was a definitely a long game. Vic says, why did they review it? They should have just said forward progress was stopped. No sense in reviewing it okay. because obviously you can't change the call. So uh, I just got this texted to me from Zach Reagan, our, our guy at azsports.com. So this is a tweet from Tom Hart last night who was the play-by-play guy on the broadcast. He said, recap of the non-review review in overtime at the Music City Bowl. When Ford Progress is ruled to have stopped, the play is not reviewable. It is not uncommon for crews to initiate a review simply for perception. I'm told that was the case tonight. So now you've got referees doing things for perception, and that is what the ESPN play-by-play guy is being told. That is another piece of BS that college football has to figure out. So the well, no, no. Look, fans will be griping about review. They they want that. Doing something to fool them. It's you're you're. Well, no, not necessarily. Maybe it's the referees confirming what was going on. Right? They have another set of eyes. So I actually don't hate that because I want them. But I want them to talk about it, Austin. Like anything, when communication goes awry. Or, or there is a lack of communication, that's when problems happen. So I actually don't have a problem with that. I think that they should uh, confer with whoever the replay official is just to talk it out, just to say, this cannot be replayed. You have to confirm the call. That is the rule. I study the rule book. That is my job. That's what you need to say to the crowd. So I, I don't have a problem with that. Orlando brings up this point. Mm-hmm. It says, fair, after seeing it that many times, he was stalled for at least two seconds before <laughs> two seconds? stretching the ball. So here's two what seconds? I would say. Huh? Two seconds. You think that was two seconds, Orlando? He, that was not two seconds. That's I, maybe. I don't, th- I, I don't think it was necessarily two seconds. Here's where I think the ref messed up. Okay. He committed. Because there was, there is a moment in time, if you play it again, okay. there is a moment in time right before he stretches the ball out where his forward progress stops. All right, you, you'll play it again? Yeah. All right, here it is. I mean, Right I before that lunge, it does stop. Now, here's where I'm at. The referee should not blow the whistle. On that play, you at least let him stretch it out and make it go to review because that's what they should teach, and they do teach this. Use the touchdown as your last safety net because all touchdowns will be reviewed. Mm -hmm. Then you can go through and say, is his knee down? Because you're giving more time for him to be down. His knee was not down, his shin was not down, and it should have been a touchdown. They got the call correct as called, the call was incorrect. Yes. So foul for you, right? Yes. If you want to say if, if fair or foul for the call, it is foul. Because yes. you, you should let in that situation. And if you're watching any of the Pitt-Michigan State last night, which actually turned out to be a really good game, they had there was forward progress. And I was sitting there, and maybe because I was you know heightened and, and aware of what happened with the Tennessee game, there was a time where they like didn't call for forward progress for like five seconds. They ran this guy into the, the, the sidelines before they called forward progress. So like at the end of a game, you should give the player every ample opportunity to struggle and strain to get the touchdown. No doubt. Before totally. you call that. I completely agree. I, I, you got to get, the, let the players do it. The referee with this call, and and that's my problem with Ford progress calls as a whole. And Orlando says that he was at least stopped for a second and a half. Orlando, I just went maybe a second. No, but Orlando, it wasn't two. Hold on, I I am telling you, I just while Zach was talking and I played the video again, I went into the editing software that I used to edit this video. I went frame by frame to timestamp it. It was less than one second from when he was stopped to where he then he reached out. So less than one second of pause. And so the referee with a subjective call 
that is Ford Progress rushed it. The referee rushed a subjective decision. That is the problem with having subjective calls and decisions by referees. And Ford Progress is ridiculous. And another Zach on YouTube says, I think someone timed it last night and it was 0.7 seconds. It was absolutely under one second frame by frame of me going. And even if you go frame by frame, which I can't, you can't do that because that's not how we watch it in live time with the referee. But there was really no moment where he was completely stopped. He was still moving and inching forward, forward, forward before he put the ball out there. It was a terrible call. It was a referee putting the game or putting that play in his decision, which is just not what they're supposed to do. So play the video, play the short video one more time. I'll tell you something that I have not heard on the internet yet that I came up with as watching that actually this morning. I think he is more likely to call forward progress because he has a clear line of sight. You know, on QB sneaks, they don't call forward progress stopped because they can't see anybody. I also think that hurt Tennessee in that case is that nobody was obstructing his view. If there would have been another player in front of that, a wide receiver out to the, out, out to the wide side that he could not see that, I don't think he calls forward progress. I think also that is it, it makes a big difference in if he does that. I think we can all agree. I would even say, just like I look, I got this right yesterday. Just like Logan Ryan woke up yesterday morning regretful on what he said, I knew that was going to happen, and I knew mm-hmm. I was going to hear some BS apology tweet from a guy who uh, put his foot in his mouth. I believe that the ref will wake up this morning and say, I blew the whistle and waved my hands too early. And, and I, I think we can all agree on that, right? He did. The The ref, it was the, it was the ref's bad. The issue is, as you said, subjective. That's a part of refereeing. That's a part of the human element of football and sport. And you have to kind of swallow it. it look, the Music City Bowl doesn't mean what it maybe used to mean. You still want to win that game in front of the crowd that Tennessee had, too. Oh, it was a great look. It was everything, right? And Scott Ramsey, the National Sports Council, who we know a little bit, you know, he is hoping for this. You know, this is a one, a record breaking crowd for this bowl game of 69,800 some, something, if I remember correctly, but a record crowd for the bowl game in its 22nd year. Then you've got a national televised game between with a bunch of points. 90 combined regulation points with four touchdowns scored in the last five minutes of game regulation that goes to overtime right before another big bowl game, a New Year's Six game was going on right after it, where you've got the nation's attention. And I when didn't you watch have, the first quarter of the Peach Bowl. Yes, because and, and, and when you have guys, national people who cover the NFL talking about how Tennessee got robbed, I don't know how else you can feel about it. That Tennessee got robbed last night. That they should have gotten a touchdown in overtime. And then we could have, I'm not saying they would have won the game because I don't know how Purdue would have played their overtime differently if they knew they had to go score a touchdown. It seemed like everybody could score a touchdown whenever the hell they wanted to. And so it's it's just crazy to me to think that a, that a referee makes that decision um, to to stop and to control and decide a game-changing play in overtime. Yeah, and that's the unfortunate part, is that it decided the game. Because, as yeah. you said, Austin, it changed the way Purdue played. You know? And you just... And if Tennessee would have scored, the game's not over, right? Like, Purdue still has to go do their job. Tennessee's defense still has to do their job. Now, I hate the new overtime rules, so I'm glad that we didn't have to go into two-point conversion two-point conversion, two-point convert. I hate that. But I do think that the ref got it wrong. I think everybody agrees that the ref got it wrong. I would even say that the ref, he was just premature. And that cost 
you know, Josh Heupel an opportunity to win his first. Because this, look, this will, won't probably be remembered as that. You know, when Josh Heupel's career, and this kind of leads us into our next topic, you know, when we look back at Josh Heupel's career years down the road, we'll just look at Music City Bowl loss, right? We won't look mm-hmm. at, oh, well, the ref, you know, he 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 got, you know, trigger happy with his whistle in his hands, and it, it cost that. But it, it was a great game. It was a great atmosphere. You know, I saw the crowd even before the game early yesterday, and Tennessee fans came out in full force. That was I mean, a collegiate game in a pro stadium in a big city, you just, you felt good. Now, the game lasted way too long. I mean, I bet I, I felt like, and I, I started laughing about this because I went out to dinner after the game. Yeah. And it was, you know, two o'clock it started. It ended around like almost seven. <laughs> and so everybody that drove from Knoxville thought that they were going to get home a hell of a lot earlier than when they actually did yeah. after the game. There was a Vols media member, Mike Wilson, who was at the Vols basketball game in Tuscaloosa the night before and had to get up, drive from Tuscaloosa to Nashville, and then after the game had to do his work and then drive back to Knoxville that night. <laughs> so that's a long day. And look, Eric brings up the fake the fake injuries, and I think that's something that uh, is that caused that game to be nearly five hours. We got to do something about this. Off it season, is, they, they will they will address it. But if so you have expensive. high tempo teams, high tempo teams will always do that. It's too and, much of an advantage. Yeah, and it's not going away. There's just going to be more high tempo, up tempo offenses. And I think we'll, we'll talk about Josh Heupel here in a second. But I feel like a criticism that I have of Josh Heupel is key short yarded situations. I don't, I don't think Josh Heupel is very good in those key short yardage situations. And here's the, the main thing to it, because that doesn't allow for his tempo to help him. That's that's lining up and going offense versus defense and flat out scheme without tempo involved in it. And I think he's he has a lot of room to grow in those situations where they should have won that game. There's zero reason for them to lose that game, especially how it started 21-7 after the first quarter and then getting going goose egg and the fumble at the end of the first half that gave Purdue the lead. Like that's the game right there, right? All you got to do is just not fumble, not turn the ball over in that last one minute and change in the end of the second quarter. And it's a completely different game because now you're up five, getting the ball in the third quarter rather than down two, getting the ball at the end of the third quarter. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about the best thing about Josh Heupel. I will agree with you on, and I'll just take a little bit further. Josh Heupel really needs to improve because he's playing big boy football now, right? Like he's playing consistent against big teams. You're not, you're no longer UCF anymore, right? In those critical situations at the end of halves and at the end of games, he's got to get in the head of his quarterback and say, this is what you need to focus on. Kind of do run the offense, but get first downs. Have the ability to audible on third and three to get three yards instead of throwing it into the stands. Mm-hmm. That, that I think he has to work on. Because he, look, Josh Heupel cannot... You know, he, he was a quarterback at Oklahoma. He's not playing the game, but he did a very poor job of communicating with his quarterback to say, this is what we have to do in this particular situation that goes a little bit probably against our up-tempo trend. That's what, and I, I'll compare, and look, I, I will agree with this as an Ole Miss alum where a commenter, uh, uh, Kenneth, Ole Miss is the worst with fake injuries. You're absolutely correct, Kenneth. I agree with that. I hate that. It it disgusts me about Lane Kiffin. But one thing that Lane Kiffin is better at than Josh Heupel is he's got control of his quarterback in key moments. I saw that way too many times yesterday where Josh Heupel, I thought, could have been better as a head coach and an offensive mind with Hendon Hooker, who has experience. We're not talking about some freshman that's never played ball. Yeah, Hendon Hooker has got to grow up, and I expect that to be a key focus heading into next season. Yeah, and you you mentioned the two deep shots at the end of the regulation that could have you could have just got a field goal. This was one of them. You know, <laughs> that's one of them where Cedric Tillman is being and and the ball was slightly overthrown, right? And that was not called on a night where it felt like a dozen pass interferences were called 
on Tennessee. And then that could have been the end of the game. There could have been that walk-off type touchdown home run throw from Hooker to Tillman, which would have been his fourth touchdown of the damn day. Uh, and uh, uh, so the referees last night across the board were absolutely terrible. They were, they were involved in things they should not have been involved with on both sides all night. Uh, tackling was worse, but the Tackle, refs were again, bad. But I can, I can, <laughs> that's they it, were that's both what I'll bad. say. Tackling Here's, was worse, but the refs were bad. I'll, I'll give you three things that were bad during that game. Tackling by Tennessee, the refereeing across the board, and the playing surface. Oh, I said I look tackling all together. I'm not just putting Tennessee in a box. Purdue, Purdue on like a fourth, fourth and eleven from the eleven, fourth and goal. They can't cover anybody. So like it's on both sides. I'm not just criticizing Tennessee. I criticize Purdue. Tackling in that game was horrendous, and the refs were bad as well. And it, it did look look the field conditions did impact that game because of footing. There were multiple slips, not only by the quarterbacks but by running backs and wide receivers getting out of their breaks. But look, Austin, we knew that. We, we said that before the game started this week. We said, this is going to be a bad field. That's notorious for the Music City Bowl. It's going to be a bad field on Sunday when the Titans host the Miami Dolphins. This is I, And it's, it's a Nashville thing. It's a grounds crew thing. It's going to be bad. And you can't do anything about it if you have a grass field. Well, and, and here's the thing. Don't schedule three games in 11 days in December. Don't do that. Like, like the NFL screwed the Music City Bowl. But the, the NFL, that's that they take priority over the little old Music City. I'm just saying, the Music City Bowl has December 30th locked in for the rest of their contract. And the, the NFL, NFL doesn't give a damn. <clears throat> well, the NFL should because of how much they care about player safety. They don't. I, I, I know. That's the problem. That's why I said that with such a sarcastic tone. Uh, but uh, it was, and Jacob says, why is the field so bad? The field is so bad uh, because it's the time of the year. One, it's been very warm. It rained a bunch yesterday and they don't have, I guess, a proper drainage system with the stadium. And plus you've had a soccer team play on it all year too, which that's going to be alleviated next uh, summer when that brand new stadium's open, but they have too many things going on in that playing surface and the grounds crew is put in a bad situation to have to continuously repair it because that's not how it works. You can't just resod it on a Thursday night and have it ready for a Sunday. That's not how grass works. Well, and well, that it's not how grass works in Nashville because it works like that in Arizona. <laughs> they have two different fields and they go underneath the field. They move the one field out and they move the next field in. So they have the system down. It works. It just, it works in Arizona. It doesn't work in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. And it was, it was really rough. It was really Well, that's rough. why they're, they're the only NFL Southern team that is not in Florida, right? Because Florida, you can maintain it, that doesn't have field turf. Right, the Saints in a dome. They have field turf. The Falcons. They've had field turf. They've been in a dome for years. The Titans chose. The Panthers. When they, I'm not sure if the Panthers huh? do or not. The Panthers. What? The Panthers. The Panthers just changed. They had grass for a long time. They finally got smart, and they they have field turf now. So, and these are the things that I do know because I keep up with it. Yeah. But uh, the the Titans are always going to have these problems as long as there's grass. Now, I. I like grass. I prefer grass over field turf, so I don't yeah. want the Titans to change. Knees. But especially if you're a running football team, right? If you are if you have Derrick Henry and you're going into this game against Miami, you love it. You give me the rain. But when you don't have Derrick Henry, you're like, no, I don't want the rain. I, I, I don't know. And we'll talk about this more in our Titans pregame show on Sunday. I don't know if you saw my video that I tweeted out on the field yesterday, but my foot was sliding on that sideline. It was so slick. Whenever we were changing end zones right before for overtime, it was like a you had to like careful walk, heel toe it to get down the sideline because that's how slick it was. It was crazy. But all right, let's go ahead uh and uh and get to this next conversation. We want to ask you guys what's the best part about Josh Heupel's first season as Vols head coach? What is the best part about Josh Heupel's first season as Vols head coach, we want to read your answers first, then Zach and I will share it as well. Uh, but first, Zach, tell everybody about Wilson County Hyundai. Yeah, Wilson County Hyundai is where you need to go to get your next ride. WilsonCountyHyundai.com. Go to that Palisade right there at the bottom of the screen. 
And you can test drive that bad boy. I know it's New Year's Eve. You may not do it today, but next week, maybe to start the new year, if you're thinking about a new SUV or four-door sedan, Wilson County Hyundai has you covered. I have the Sonata. I absolutely love it. It's a 2012 Hyundai Sonata. It still runs like a dream. I mean, it still runs great. It's got great fuel efficiency. I've kept up with it. Oil changes. That is where you need to go when you're, you're looking for a new car. Go to Hyundai, and more importantly, go to WilsonCountyHyundai.com. Don't forget, download the BetMGM app. Use our code ATOZ Sports to get a risk-free bet up to $1,000 with your first bet after your first deposit. It's a great uh, way to jumpstart your bankroll with the BetMGM app. So simply download the app, use the code ATOZ Sports, you make your first deposit, and your first bet's risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 only, uh, 21 over, uh, Tennessee only, new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards non issued a non withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from assurance. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Redline at 800 889 9789. Zach, we want to ask people what is uh, the best part about Josh Heupel's first year as Vols head coach? There's about a there's some pretty good uh, answers here. Robert Sweat on YouTube says dedication. Billy says they were fun to watch, which they absolutely were fun to watch. They put up 190 points in the first quarter alone this year. They broke the school record, I believe, for points in a season, uh, and they averaged almost 40 points a game. And, and they, and their starting quarterback threw for 31 touchdowns in 11 starts. So pretty impressive there. Uh, Albert says finally a winning mentality. Uh, Jason says, uh, best part, they're competitive and actually fun to watch. Sean says he, he made the Vols competitive and the game's more enjoyable and worth watching, so we're seeing that trend. Joe says, culture change. I saw this from, uh, I believe it was Theo Jackson last night, said that the, the team was falling apart a year ago before Josh Heupel was hired and that Josh Heupel has them back together now, where I think the senior class that's outgoing can be proud of that. So Zach, you have any more uh, answers or, or comments? To well, I think I think Joe brings up the culture change because of how bad it was, and that had to do with two individuals, right? Jeremy Pruitt, and more importantly, Phil Fulmer. Phil Fulmer was the problem with this program for years, and he was the guy that was supposed to fix it, but ends up. And I know Tennessee fans like that guy, but you always need to remember what he did to bring the program down. He was open and okay with cheating. Like, I don't know what's going to happen to them as far as their punishment because of the name image likeness rules now opening up. Maybe they get lucky and don't get punished because it's more socially acceptable. But I, and I said this Austin, when, when they hired the, the essentially central Florida's staff, right? They get Mike white and they get Josh Heupel. I, loved that decision because they decided to not go in-house and get the old ball coach that had the politics. They went to go hire a program, a proven program. Now it wasn't proven in the sec, but I love that about that. I also being an old miss guy, I felt like a high tempo offense would give them more of a chance to win because it's easier to learn and easier to execute. Now you got to play defense on the other side of that. They will continue to struggle with that. Now, Ole Miss played better defense this year. They had a really good offense. They're in a big six New Year's Six Bowl. That doesn't happen that often. Mm -hmm. I can see, Austin, where the stars will align one year under Josh Heupel where their offense will be consistently really good and their defense will start to improve because they'll get better players. And Austin, they will be in a New Year's Six Bowl. I believe Josh Heupel will be in a New Year's Six Bowl with Tennessee I would say within the next four years. Okay. And it goes into, and that's probably on par for expectation, but Austin, that hasn't happened. So it is a bold, it is a bold prediction because notoriously Tennessee does not go to New Year's Six Bowls. Here's my answer to the question, though, and it is obscure and different from some of the answers that we had. The question was: what's the best part about Josh Heupel's first season? I agree with all the the seven wins, the almost eight wins, the consistency, the culture change. But I'll say this. The best part about his first season was the demise of the Florida Gators. 
because that kicked one big dog out. I don't know how they're going to rebound, but it will. It should take them time. Georgia is still at the top, but it cleared the way. South Carolina still re- still rebuilding. Kentucky is beatable. I mean, you you saw that this year. Vanderbilt blows. Missouri is not the team that we thought they were going to be this year. The gates open up for Josh Heupel to really solidify the possibility of the second slot in the SEC East. And you're not going to get the first slot. Georgia has that, and they will have that probably for the foreseeable future. But you play Georgia maybe a little bit later in the year, you get a puncher's chance at a win, and your season changes. The best thing about Josh Heupel's first year is what happened in Gainesville. And I stick to that because I think Josh Heupel and Tennessee fans, listen to what I say. I think Josh Heupel will take advantage of that. Interesting. Um, Yeah, I mean, we can debate the New Year's Six thing, but I I think kind of another way to say what you just said is that Tennessee already is above the bottom part of the SEC East. Vandy, Missouri, Kentucky, South Carolina had a very strong end to its season with Shane Beamer, so you got to give him credit for for that. Uh, I, I wonder if he's got the mayo stink off of him yet. But but South Carolina finished strong, but Tennessee sh- finished just fantastic. So uh, I think I think there's a big opportunity with the schedule that Tennessee has in 2022 with. A Pittsburgh team without Kenny Pickett. Now they do get Spencer Rattler coming in. And so that's a that's at Pitt. It's an interesting week two game, right? So but it's, Rattler's it's, going to South Carolina. I'm sorry. Uh, who was it? Um, Pitt had Slovis. Slovis from USC is going to Pitt. So my bad on that. But then you face Spencer Rattler with South Carolina later on the season. So you. <laughs> at time, I got to say, say this because Slovis gets brought up. I saw a TikTok this morning. And it is spot on. This guy goes in there and he goes, he goes, you really want to know where these transfers are going to go? It's not because of money. It's not because of family. It's not because of God. It's not because of program. It's for where their girlfriends are at. If you look at the majority of the transfers, you know where Slovis' girlfriend goes to school? I guess Pitt, right? Pitt. <laughs> the, the majority of these transfers have gone to schools where their girlfriend is just at. So I thought that was really telling because you brought up Slovis. But I, I, I do think I do think that it opens up for Tennessee next year. I, I can't disagree with the schedule and what has happened is the shakeup in the SEC East. Yeah, and G-Man says that's not saying much of being ahead of Vandy, Kentucky, Missouri, and South Carolina. It's more than they were. Right, and that's, again, I'm not saying that's the end goal. That's just step one. (laughs) Step one, I mean, if you go back, Zach, and remember, we had a preseason bold prediction show about the Vols, right? And my bold prediction is that Tennessee would beat three of these four, Vandy, South Carolina, Missouri, and Kentucky. And they beat all four of them. And so there you go. And, and I, I think that's a very important thing is to accomplish that in year one and you have to maintain it. You can't slip up. And then you go to the next rung, which is trying to tackle uh, Florida. And your point is that Florida is now down because of how Dan Mullen unraveled at the end of the season and that situation that there is an opportunity. And Josh Heupel, you got to have the Florida game next year. It's in Knoxville. You got to win this one. Billy Napier, first year head coach at Florida. You got to go win that because you've got Tillman, Hooker, a bunch of players back. You have to win that, right? And I'm going to give the love of the show because, look, I I went obscure with the Florida answer, but I think this is the correct answer. And it goes to Diggy Scope Daily on YouTube. The best part was making the quarterback change when it was needed. And Austin, we can go back to time. You, you were not a fan of that at the time until you kind of saw that. You yeah. were still on the Milton train. You and a lot of other people. And then the cream rose to the top. I think that is the best part, is when Josh Heupel made his quarterback change and he stuck with it. He didn't go back to Milton because of his big arm that it couldn't hit a broadside of a barn. 
he went, he stuck with Hooker because he could run the offense more effectively. He's not the best quarterback in the nation. I mean, I would even argue that he's not that great of a quarterback. But for the system and for what, what Hypo asked him to do the rest of the year, that was the biggest thing. Making the change when it was needed and not going back to what you thought in fall camp. The craziest thing, Zach, is I can sit here and say, Hendon Hooker threw for 378 yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. He also ran the ball 18 times for 56 yards, and he really didn't play that well. That, well he, played, he, had to, he had to the two big touchdown throws, right, that kind of probably masked some of the stats. But no, you're right. He didn't but play. At the end, and, and, but in the middle of the game, like he hot start, right? You get the two big hot touchdowns. Hot start, hot end, and then the middle was The middle was, was just like, but they scored 45 points. <laughs> like, like I'm saying all these things. Like it, it's, just fun. it's just crazy that you're like, man, he, he really didn't play that well, but he had five touchdown passes and 380 yards. He had over 430. 20 430 yards of offense yeah, a lot of that was Purdue's crap-ass defense though so like and, and well, Purdue's on the same way a lot of that was Tennessee's half-ass defense Purdue, Purdue was that without their best pass rusher not their best corner right and the Tennessee was out without its best corner and Elante Taylor and you saw both sides take advantage of those missing players but Purdue had a top 20 scoring defense in the country and again and they beat big teams I mean we they, they were a, a formidable foe they were a formidable opponent, but it, that game, uh, uh, it was uh, it was a wild game. It was entertaining. Uh, it, just unfortunate, as we said, how did it end? So what was your best thing? My best thing for Josh Heupel is, is honestly, it is the, the culture side of it and then how he closed recruiting because this was a – year one was always a wild card of what are you going to get? Like we expected them to score more points this year than last year because of the – just uh, you know, super opposite 180 mentality of what they wanted to do stylistically on offense. But it was how can this translate and be a launch pad for the future? And I think he overachieved in year one in the win column and in the excitement department. And then he closed strongly in recruiting. And so that this year one is a launch pad for the next couple of years for Josh Heupel with the opportunity to compete closer to Georgia, right? It's not, I'm not saying that he's going to pass Georgia or beat Georgia anytime soon, but I do think like it's not wild for you to say that they can be in a new year's six bowl in the next four years because opportunity can be there. And as long as in Hinden hookers coming back, Cedric Tillman, that's the first time I've seen Cedric Tillman in person. That guy is a tree who can run really fast and jump high. He is massive and built very well. And so now you get to see how this continues to develop. And these guys are obviously wanting to play. Another thing I took away from that is being on the field towards the end of the game and then after the game, you go through the Tennessee players who just lost in an overtime game in a, in a meaningless game. It was a meaningless game, right? But they were down. Like those players, and I could see their facial expressions, they were defeated that they lost that game how they did. And even guys who had clean white jerseys that didn't play a snap looked like they just had a horrible time. And that to me matters. I think that's a good thing to see is that this Tennessee team cared about losing the Music City Bowl. And that's a good thing for the future for Josh Heupel. So that's my best part overall. Well, before we move on to good news, I think we can sprinkle some good news for everybody. GMAS asked you a question, Austin. I wonder if you can answer it. Yes, eating pancakes. All right, guys, so we did it, right? We all together did it. The Vols lost, but we all won because I uh, and and Charlie Burris and Jonathan Crompton and Andrew Shulman, our new sales guy in Nashville, we put together a great promo with the Pancake Pantry. So shout out to Chip, owner of the Pancake Pantry. The Vols scored 30 points. Uh, or more, and so now we get free pancakes, okay? So here's what you got to do. You go to the Pancake Pantry in Nashville. They get the brand-new downtown location and the one that's been there for 60 years in Hillsborough Village. So you get a free stack of pancakes, buttermilk pancakes, from the Pancake Pantry if you use the code Pancakes. It's simple, 
You just go there. The line moves fast. They got that thing down to a science. So uh, it's a great way to get your New Year's weekend right. You get this opportunity through Sunday morning. So Vols Pancakes is the code word for your free stack of pancakes because the Vols scored 30 or more. Uh, We set this up to have some fun with it. So go take advantage of it. Your free stack of pancakes at the Pancake Pantry. Again, Hillsborough Village has been there for 60 years. And you've also got the brand new location that opened earlier this month on 3rd and Malloy in downtown. So if you're in town from the game yesterday, go get some pancakes. They're great pancakes. Go get it. Thanks again to Chip uh, with the Pancake Pantry. We're looking forward to to talking more with them. Yeah, and speaking of this weekend, we are going to be broadcasting live from the mainstay if you're going to the Titans-Dolphins game. Come hang out with us in pregame, postgame with us. We'll be there live broadcasting. We'll have our pregame, halftime, and postgame show leading up to a big game. I mean, you're talking about this is a massive week in the NFL, and it's a massive week for the Tennessee Titans watching what the Kansas City Chiefs do, watching what the Indianapolis Colts do, and really trying to get what they need done live from Nissan Stadium, whether it'll be slip sliding around uh, or whether that will be Miami. But yeah. come hang out with us and post game with us at the main stage. Yeah. Time for Ain't That Good News here on this Friday. Real quick, Jacqueline, to answer your question, Jacqueline's answers, are they giving the pancakes on Sunday as well? Yes. So Sunday before the Titans game, you go down to the Pancake Pantry on 3rd and Malloy. Vols Pancakes is the keyword to get your free stack of pancakes right there. So yes, Jacqueline, you get that uh, throughout the weekend. So take advantage of that. They open at 6 a.m. So you can get there and have a great breakfast before uh, you come join us at the mainstay, closer to kickoff or going to Nissan Stadium. All right, Zach. Time for Ain't That Good News to end the year. What is what is your good news? I'm curious to see what your good news is. The last good news of 2021. So uh, mine is a, a, a unique good news. And it is, uh, it, I hope it doesn't turn into bad news. But it is a unique good news. The good news is tonight for New Year's Eve, I'm actually going to a concert. And I, I think it's the first concert that I've been to. I mean, I tried to go to Garth Brooks. Yeah, you've tried <laughs> a couple times and then, and then you tried to go to the comedy show and then yeah. they, it got canceled. You've tried. You've tried to go to concerts and shows. Yeah. I, I ended up going to Dave Chappelle and Joe Rogan because they rescheduled that. Oh, but okay. that, it was a hassle to get through. Um I, I do think it is unique for, and we're going. I'm going to the Brooklyn Bowl for um, tonight. The Brooklyn Bowl live in Nashville, and I, I'm excited. That? I've never actually been to the Brooklyn Bowl, um, but I think that it's a cool venue. I, I, I think it opened a couple of years ago. But New Year's the the show starts at nine. Going to eat dinner before, but. This is such a weird New Year's Eve. I feel like either somebody has COVID, so you can't do something, or they don't. People don't want to go out and and do stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, Saint Paul and the Broken Bones is who I'm going to see tonight. Uh, a funky little band, but it's sold out. It's going to be fun, uh, and and hopefully it will be uh, a good show. What's the What's the venue called again, and wh- where is it? I've never heard of uh, the Brooklyn Bowl. It's in De- it's in Nashville. Uh, it's so. a new venue a couple of years ago, but it's like uh, I, I assume that it, it it's New York money that came and built it. Yeah, it was supposed was like- to open right before money or, or right, right before money, right before COVID, and then COVID delayed the opening. But they have different types of shows. Um, I've never been to the venue, but that is uh, I'm kind of excited to go and, and do something unique tonight uh, for New Year's Eve and ring in 2022. And I think. The, when does Georgia Michigan start? Two thirty. No, wait. That, no, that's the Alabama Cincinnati is at two thirty. Georgia Michigan will start after Alabama Cincinnati. <laughs> so that's like six. Um. Well. Um. Last night. I mean, they're not going to have the overlap of coverage for the semifinals. So I don't know. It's it's going to be like the doubleheader, like thirty minutes after session one ends. <laughs> well, I ask that is I'll watch Cincinnati Alabama. Yes. And then. I want to watch the majority. The good thing, this show doesn't start till nine because it's New Year's Eve and they want, you know, the midnight thing. 
And so I think I'll be able to watch Michigan, Georgia and get all my stuff in. And that would, that would be really good news. You talk about really good news. I get to watch both of these games today because they kind of screw you with new year's Eve and go to a show tonight. So that is my day. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah. Uh, seven 30, Justin Morrison says it's supposed to start at seven 30. We'll see how everything kind of adapts with games and how long they're going to take uh, with that. So my good news uh, is that 2021 has been a long year. It's been a very big year. It's been a record year for A to Z sports. And I, I'm honestly so excited to get into 2022 because Zach and I have been planning a lot of different things over the last couple of months and how our business is going to grow. And I, I, I honestly cannot wait to get to it Monday, January 3rd and get to work on what next year's going to be for A to Z sports. I'm fired up about it. Uh, I, I will say this, we're going to talk about this maybe early next week, but our website had a massive year. And thanks to all of you guys who go and read our content, watch our content, share our content. It's been an amazing year of growth for everything that we're doing. Our sponsors have had a great year as well with us. So I'm just super excited about what 2022 is going to be based off of what 2021 has been. So a big, massive thank you uh, from A to Z Sports to everybody who has supported us, followed us, watched us, read us, shared us, retweeted us, subscribed, everything, right? So that's why we do it. That's how we can do it is because of the audience that you guys uh, have become and grown into uh, with what we do. So I definitely appreciate that in a big 2021 for us and looking forward to the new year. Now let's go get some pancakes. All right, guys, we will see you on Sunday, January 2nd, 2022 for Titans Dolphins, a massive game for the Titans. We'll see what how that transpires, but we'll be live at the mainstay for our pregame show. Have a great new year, and we'll see you then. Appreciate it. Adios.